Welcome to episode one of the Jay-Z Gives Back podcast. My name is Alex Zimianic. Today we're going to be talking to Brian Gossett. Hey guys, it's Alex Zimianic. Uh, this is episode one of the Jay-Z Gives Back uh, podcast. We're going to be talking to Brian Gossett. And... How do you know Brian? Okay. <laughs> I was like, I, I forgot what you were Actually, saying, Alex, right? we'll keep this in the in the podcast here. Why yeah, are we doing cool. the podcast? Uh, well, I'm Patrick. I'm the producer of this thing. And uh, poor Alex was in New Orleans with his friend Brian getting an interview shot and wanted to do it on video, but it was too hot. Are you saying you feel bad for me for being in New Orleans? I don't feel bad for you. I feel bad for your phone because it's apparently melted your phone when you tried it to... It did. It did. And um, yes, well, first of all, I'm a complete fucking rookie at this shit. And um, I told Brian after, I think we had a couple nights in us by that point, and said, Brian, let's just pick a good backdrop that we can we can go to. His first choice was Bourbon Street. Yeah, then you picked a, a fountain, a water fountain, which probably is a great idea on a 90 degree day uh, for your poor suffering producer to try to clean the audio up. <laughs> it was not so good. You know, so, we, so you we, might hear some funny noise in the audio on the, on the interview, but the interview was good enough that I said, you know, we can't make a video out of all this because we got all the five minutes of usable video. So uh, guess what? We're doing a podcast. That's right. That's right. And that's okay. I like the idea. I mean, we, we could have given you a much better video to look at if we would have just taken about 50 steps. But we decided to go ahead and keep it in a quiet place. And I think the fountain, it's either a fountain or sirens. Yeah. <laughs> well, Gorilla production techniques are, are just fine. You know, they shoot documentaries the same way. So that's right. Anyway, why don't we jump into the interview and uh, thanks for listening. Brian Gossett, partner Gossett Homes, CEO of Goss Fitness, and influencer for all things that are great and positive in life. It's important to say that we're in New Orleans, Louisiana. It's about 95 degrees right now, so excuse the humidity, the sweat, the background noise. We're trying to make the best out of the conditions. The conditions are beautiful, but we're trying to make the best out of them for recording. Brian, why are we in New Orleans? Sometimes you work so hard, you're focused on what's for. Sometimes you just have to take a day or two and uh, ground yourself. If you could go back to yourself 10 years ago and give yourself advice, what would you say? Take more risks. Absolutely take more risks. Um, you always think, and I still do this today, you know, so it's, it's, that's a very interesting question because I still, it's probably still my biggest opportunity is I'm, I'm constantly waiting until I feel completely ready. And I think that part of that is just being responsible, but the most responsible people, the most conservative people never get what they want. They never, you know, the smartest person in the world is not the richest person in the world. And not that being rich is the goal, but being financially uh, independent, I think, is the goal. So why aren't more people there? And it comes to risks. So I take way more risks now than I did before. Um, and maybe it's risks. Maybe it's believing in myself. Just believe in yourself more. Um, you know, if I'm going to put everything on the line... There's no better person I'd rather have on the front line than me. So, like, you're betting against yourself. You're betting for yourself. And actually, I probably just said it perfectly. You, you can have a mind frame you're betting against yourself, you're betting for yourself. And I think when I was younger, 
I had the mentality of I'm betting against myself. I'm going against the grain. I've got everything to lose. And now today it's I'm betting on me because I trust me and I know me and I've got everything to gain. Now I say that's still a big opportunity because I'm not I'm still not where I want to be. I'm not investing in all the things I want to do. I'm not owning all the things I want to own. I'm not contributing all the way I want to contribute. Um, I'm greater than I was 10 years ago. But man, absolutely, it's just take more chances, believe in yourself, and don't be afraid of failure. Like failure is gonna happen. There's different levels of failure, but failure is gonna happen. And those are my biggest learning moments. Learning from my failure, learning from other people's failure. Um, you can't be afraid of that. Embrace it. It sucks when it happens, but you look back on it in hindsight, and every bad decision I've made um, have been defining learning moments for me. Love that. Uh, when you say believing in yourself, if you could give anybody advice on how to build their self-trust, self-esteem, how would you like? What would you say? Alex, I think that is the biggest opportunity for everyone, like mankind, literally. Um, you know, this stuff kind of sounds corny, but like anybody that's born today can be president of the United States. And I know I'm using an extreme example, but everybody that's born today can be a CEO. Everybody that's born today can be incredibly wealthy. Everybody that's born today can be incredibly happy. Like, let's just make it basic, incredibly happy. But why, why aren't people? Um, I think you got to realize a couple things. You control how you react to everything. Bad things are going to happen. And bad things will happen. But how, do you make it bad? Do you let it hold you back? Do you make it a tragedy or do you make it a learning moment? And at that moment, if you wreck your car, you're not, nobody in their right mind is going to say, this is going to be a great learning moment. You're upset, you're disappointed, but how long does that linger? Some people let that linger for weeks or months or days. Other people, they're over it in 24 hours. That's, you know, that's the growth. So I, I think uh, there's a lot of ways I can answer that, Alex, but I, I think it's for me, what's worked in my life is I realize that everything that happens to me, I control. It didn't happen to me. I made that happen. Failure and success. If I'm happy, it's because I'm choosing to be happy. If I'm miserable, I'm choosing to be miserable. Turn it around. You got to turn around. So, I mean, I, I could answer that honestly like nine different ways, and I will if you want more. But the most simplest advice is you control your life. You control your emotions. Um, one of the things that blows me away is when people say, that made me pissed. That that pissed me off. That made me angry. That made me upset. And I say, whoa. Externally. Right. That happened. You chose to get upset. You chose to get pissed. You chose to get angry. Outside factors are always going to happen. Somebody's going to cut you off in traffic 90% of the time you drive. You can choose to get road rage or you can choose to not. How you react is up to you. Okay. Um, so Jay-Z gives back is a lot about empowering choices through education and get, setting people up through education for choices or mm. whatever choices they want in their version, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, whatever you are thinking about, the, the you, you mentioned something I thought that was a really, really great point of control. What do you think are the things that people should focus on that are in their control? This is going to sound so basic. The things you can focus on that are within your control are your emotions and your attitude. 
And that sounds so basic, but it's really not. Your emotions and your attitude specifically can change everything. I think when I say this, I think most people, what I just said, most people might not relate to. They might not believe. But I think most people will relate to this and believe this. You have probably been in a room before where you felt negative energy. You could feel somebody that was upset. And you've probably, I think 100% of people will probably say that. I agree with that. You have probably also been in a room where you felt it was awesome. The environment was great. The energy was positive. That wasn't the surroundings. It was the people that were in those surroundings. All energy is contagious. So as simple as it is, it's your attitude and your energy. You control that. That's a big message that I preach all the time. And, uh, you know, again, it sounds simple, but I think it's one of the most, it's, it's one of the biggest things that we were, we're not able to manage correctly. And it happens to all of us. I, I feel like um, you're your most successful people have a better gauge on this than most. But everyone struggles with this. you got to keep your emotions in check. You have to understand that I, I control the way I respond to this. And the way you respond isn't necessarily defining for you. It's defining, or for the other person, it's defining for you. The way you respond doesn't necessarily impact everyone else around you. That's, that's kind of um, a result. But... When you, when you think about how you want to respond, it's impacting you the most. And I, I think a lot of people don't think about that. They're so quick to react. They're so quick to respond. And I can appreciate people that are quick on their toes, but you got to condition that. You know, there's a fight or flight. You condition that, though. You control how you want to respond. You can condition, how do I respond immediately? Well, when something negative happens to me, how do I respond immediately? And thought. I think about how I want to respond. And somebody may be looking at me thinking that I'm not reacting. Oh, no, I'm reacting here first before you see or hear anything from me. That's conditioned. Um, how, does, uh, how does faith play a role in your How does faith play a role in your life? Oh, Alex, I know how close you are with your faith, so... Um, this is a tough question for me. Um, I am not as close to my faith or maybe as close as I want to be. But here's what I know. You know, if we want to really talk about faith and, and when, I, when you say, I know what you're talking about when you say that. But I think most people are thinking religious aspect. Um, I know that there's something great. The heart, for example. When somebody dies... You know, they're medically dead. Your heart stops beating. And how do they bring you back to life? With an electrical shock. Good it, question, though. Huh? That was a good question to ask me. No, and I, and I like the raw. I like the honesty. Like, that's... Um, everybody likes honesty. And I think uh, people are so... You're really good at it. At just being you. And that's why... That's also why I wanted to interview you. Because... So many people are worried about what should I say? What does that person think? Yeah. What is someone... don't care about that at all. No. No. Nope. And and it's you people. There's always somebody to relate. They're always going to hate me. There's a certain amount of people are not going to like your message. A lot of people will. Fuck the people. Doesn't that matter. Are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you. Uh, Gary B said it well with A Rod. His he was uh, at his interview with A Rod and uh, A Rod's uh, podcast. He's like. 
So you really just not give a fuck with anybody? A-Rod's like, do you really just not give a fuck with anybody thinks? And he's like, well, I, I won't say that I don't give a fuck about what anyone thinks. I care what you think, A-Rod. I care what you think, so-and-so. I forget the other guy's name. He's like, because I respect you. He said, but do I care about the fucking idiot sitting naked on his couch eating chips like bashing me on on social media telling me that I need to do something different and this douchebag is doing nothing with his life like mm -hmm. I don't give a fuck what that dude thinks mm -hmm. I don't care what most people think it's like I care what some people think and I'm, I'm like I like that message like I relate to that because I, I used to that. care That's a good I used point. to care what everybody thought I used to suffer from so much anxiety to where I couldn't speak in front of people. And I couldn't even go to a social event without having a drink first. No way. Now I can fucking go anywhere sober and be fine. Because I don't care anymore. I'm not up here. And the, uh, when we talk about the, the 95% of people suffer from anxiety and 5% are psychopaths. <laughs> it's because they don't, they legitimately, <laughs> legitimately, scientifically, they actually don't have that ability to care. That's why they can murder the fuck out of a bunch of... They're, they're clinically insane. You know what I think is, is with what you just said, um, I think a lot of people, most people, I think about that. how they feel, but they don't think about how it makes other people feel. Mm -hmm. You asked me earlier, what do I want to be known as? Like, What do I want my message to be? And I don't have an answer to that yet, a fully baked answer. I do know what, in terms of speaking and helping people and influencing people, there is there is a category, an age group that I'm most interested in. It's definitely youth. There are defining moments. There's defining growing moments in adolescent uh, folks that can change their life. And I want to be able to channel those folks and let them know because when, when you're young everything's happening for the first time and we don't think about that now but it, well you have kids so i know you know this they're discovering things for their first time ever things that we do every day that we take for granted experiences surround they experience it for the first time at one point and what i would love to help you do is help them understand for the first time that you are not you don't have you can control what happens to you, not other people control what happens to you. And I think for most adults, they understand that concept. They understand it. They might not live by that. But to help a youth, to help a teen, to help a kid understand that, hey, just because your mom was an alcoholic doesn't mean you have to be one. Just because your dad was a drug dealer doesn't mean that you have to sell drugs. Just because your parents ended up in jail doesn't mean you ended up in jail. Just because your parents do not have a happy marriage and love each other, that does not mean that you have to abuse the sacred of, of marriage and love. It's a, it's, a, it's a unique thing because when you're actually able to help a, a, young, a young boy or girl understand that, it's amazing. I coached uh, football for several years, and that was what brought me um, my passion for helping the youth. You know, when you coach football, it's an amazing thing because in just, in just six, seven months, you see these kids go through amazing growth. But when you think about it, it makes sense. Because when you're, excuse my math, it's not going to be correct, but when you're 15 years old, six months of your life at 15 years old, six months of your life, that's, that's like 5% of your life. That's like 8% of your life. That's a pretty big deal. 
I, when you're 46 months, is, it's nothing. But when you think that, like, I got to spend, you know, if you coach for several years, you could say, I spent 15% of this kid's life with him. And you're able to make a huge impact. And just just the amount of growth in, in football that I've seen kids make uh, in, in a couple months, physically and mentally, showed me what's possible and how much you can help somebody in that age group. I don't think there's enough people doing that. I don't think there's enough people sitting down with teenagers and helping them understand emotional intelligence. Like I've heard, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but I've heard people say things like, there's already so many like positive influences out there. There's already so many messages. And it, it is it is, it is is relevant when somebody says, how's yours going to be different? But if you really listen to every motivational message, are they that much different? No. The message is actually the same. So if Tony, Tony Robbins is incredible, but if... If one person could do it all, why is there anybody else? Because you hear the same thing so many times, and then that one person says it in a way you liked it. Well, you helped you helped me yesterday, and I think you pushed me a little bit over the fence. I'm leaning towards something that has been a passion of mine for so long, which is to facilitate success and spreading success through others and getting your message. So the reason why I love Patrick. Patrick can take my long-winded shit and deliver it in a minute, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, in a version and in a way that people can understand a lot more. So when people would act, like, there was a point in my life, I remember when you guys came in town and uh, you came in for my birthday and surprised me. That was such a cool thing. And <laughs> I remember, like, that moment, that point in my life, I was so stuck into uh, explaining myself every day. Every day. My whole life, everywhere. Like, what? Alex, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you, what, like, why aren't you sleeping? You need to sleep. You need to do this. You need to do that. Like, all the judgment, all the stuff. Like, And I had to become stronger mentally because there is nobody to lean on. You're an entrepreneur. You know this. And so, the what grew my faith is that that was who I went to. Is, is a, I'm looking up. And also, YouTube. YouTube is a great resource, I mean, man. Because I, if, if you can't get the affirmation yourself, sometimes you have to go get it. And the as, as you studied a little bit, in the subconscious mind, the way that it works is it's the brainwave. So in order to in order to actually tap into those brainwaves, you have to put headphones in, and you have to listen to theta or by uh, there's there's certain specific beats and waves that send directly into your subconscious mind. And so when people meditate, they're in the state of alpha. When you're falling asleep, you're going into the state of theta. And in theta, you can reprogram. You can literally reprogram your entire mind. So whatever you were told your entire life um, can be reprogrammed. Because it was a program for 20 years if your parents were alcoholics. It was a program for... Uh, you did not trust people because of what happened before, but to your point, you get to make a decision. You get to make a choice. Sure, sure. Yeah. That the probably one of the the best things that I'm most passionate to teach that you don't get a lot. So I'm going to get to my point now. I like to uh, bring it full circle. The there's so many influencers out there, 
And so, and some of the really, really, really good videos are when they pull multiple influencers into one place. Yes, a melody. So what I'm trying to do is basically not just be another Princier, Tony Robbins, like all these people I respect and listen to every day, to take all of their different, what I like about all of them, and find my own style one. Two, to be able to produce the same message from a lot of people. And that's important. And then you say something, Dan says, says something, Mike says something, I say something, a hundred other people, and whoever, however many we go find and, and deliver the same message mm-hmm. about certain topics, mm-hmm. whether that's self-trust and self-esteem or success or happiness or choices, whatever it is. And what happens is we all articulate it differently. And that's why it's it will be received differently. Yep. And so when you, I want to produce uh, on, awesome, the, on the channel, I want to produce um, as many people as possible that can deliver the same message. So then it's like, okay, so all of these people are saying the same thing. There's something to it. There's something to it. Yeah. So now you got to make a fucking choice. Yeah. Like, are you going to fucking sit here and say that all those people are lucky? I just interviewed some some people that are uberly successful, some people that are still um, uh, hustling, some people that are not there yet, some people that are way beyond what what uh, Forbes would say is success. Yeah, but all of them have the real success, which is here, happiness, happiness. Because they, they all say the same thing. You guys, you and the five people that I like literally put on this list to to go first is you're all five to me one of the most successful people I know. I appreciate it. And it's not because of I don't know what your bank account is and I don't care. Because success is not measured in the My bank, bank account. account has too much money in it. I'm not investing. No, I'm being no, I don't mean that arrogantly. Yeah. It should, my bank account should be empty because that money should be worth negative. Me. Well, my we've got well, a lot more than you, <laughs> but that money it, that actually burns me. It's like I was saying earlier. That money needs to be invested in something. You know, you, your bank account might be empty, but you got incredible assets. That's wealth. Yeah. It's not. It's not. The, we're talking really about paper. Yeah. Fuck paper. Yeah. The value of paper. Yeah. But the value of whatever you, whatever somebody considers an asset, I do think there's a very specific definition. On that, well, the they, I was just doing a, I had to rewatch Robert Kiyosaki's video the other day because I was going to teach a course on um, assets and liabilities. And what I always like to do is teach the money and time in that same lesson, and how how to make how to invest time and how to spend time. And how to invest money and how to spend money. So many people do, not, even successful people, don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. They're so like, I made so much rock- money, and I'm like, well, how much time did you put into that? Yeah. Have you ever, if, if you, what's your, if you work for a company, what would you need to be paid? Break that down per hour. All right. Now let's look at what did did you make that back in per hour? And I'm I'm making that shrunk down, but like most of the time, it's like, all right. So you think you made a lot of money? Did you make like fucking four dollars an hour. Yeah. You didn't make shit right. for your time. For what you think your time's worth. So this is 
one of the courses that I just recently did that's not out yet, but um, this is this is real. This is my schedule, and a lot of it is. I did a whole course on reoccurring routines and how routines will literally save your life because they will one program your subconscious mind. Two, it's like brushing your teeth. You don't have to think. You mm -hmm. just do it. Mm -hmm. And whatever is not a routine, you have to think. So you put more energy yes. on yeah. on what you need to do, and you carry around a fire extinguisher, and you're just extinguishing fires as they come up in life or in business. Yeah. And so what what's been really important to me is this is like working out when you step on a scale. All right, this is my visual scale of how I invest or spend time. Light green it, and is the shit that like comes up, right? Pops up. Yellow or banana is health. So that is every day at the gym, boxing, weight training. Wake up, you know, plan, pray, slay, is what I always call it. Pink is my wife or family. So I know like when I'm investing into my family and when I'm not. And then blue is block, so I'm blocking time for something, a meeting or whatever that is. I have my email blocks. And then dark green is investment. So that is when I'm investing time into someone or something. Most of the time in a routine, we can start you the sales, That's whatever. Good. So then, then what I do is go back when I when I fail, because there's no such thing as perfection, and I go back and I mark it red. So like I will go, I'll go back the, the next week, mark that red because I didn't do it, or um, gym, like I didn't do that commission statement, I did not make it to boxing that day, so I'm like, right. So then I can go back and I can look and see what went wrong, why, and how do I improve? That's awesome self-accountability. It's... It, it has gotten to that point where, like, literally, um, it was the weirdest conversation to have in my life when we started working together. I'm like, I love you, Mom, so much, and I'm here for you, but when I leave at 6 p.m., I'm your husband, no longer Casey, please. Like, we had to set a boundary, like, yeah. this, she like, ah, this happened. And I, like, I'd have this stressful day, and then I come home, I see my kids, I'm, like, instantly happy, and then mine's like, ah. Let me tell you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she works with me, you know? So, yeah. then, uh, being able to separate those things has been great, too. <clears throat> and it's always a work, work and struggle and progress, but being able to plan and, and say, like, this is family time, you know? Yeah. So, Molly... I need you to schedule a meeting. I know that sounds crazy, but we have to have a reoccurring meeting. So we did that. We had for about a year. So we have, we have, see a therapist once a week. We have a module once a week that we take to better our um, emotional intelligence. I took the EQ test, emotional intelligence test, on mypsychologytoday.com. I don't know if you've ever done that. I have. Fucking amazing. It is cool. It teaches you so much about uh, where you're at, where you could be, you know. If I took an IQ test, probably wouldn't turn out real well. But an EQ test, I, I wanted that because Molly, when she talked to Terrence, when started that whole coaching, was Terrence, or an Uber drunk, on the way to Caroline's birthday, Terrence, why don't you teach, you're a, a life coach. Why don't you teach Alex about emotional intelligence? 
game. He just laughed. He goes, okay, I can do that. But how about you teach me? And Molly's like, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Like, just, just deer in the headlights. And he's like, so if you want me to teach him, then that means that you know it. And that comes from superiority. And so you should teach me first. And I'm like, all right, guys, we're drinking. Let's have fun. Let's not go there. Yeah. And he's like, I know Alex very well. And I think he knows emotional intelligence very well. He's like, so um, let's break down what it is. And then he keeps going. And then eight hours go by of us. He's changed my conversation. Changed my marriage. Because he, he, first thing he said to me, he was the first person to teach me love language. And he goes, I can't really teach it that fast without reading the whole book. He said, but I'll do it as simple as this. You guys just spark up a conflict. And then uh, I'll translate. And so Molly says something, and I say something, we're going back and forth. And then he goes, okay, so. Molly, what Alex meant. <laughs> like, in one, or in like a very long answer, and for me, three words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's basically like, he's, it's it's called masculine and feminine. They're two different languages. Yes. I've done it. So here's what's interesting about that. Joe made me read the book, and we did our love languages when we were engaged 10 years ago. We literally just did it again like a month ago. Her, her top one was exactly the same. Um, um, acts of service mine was different um, when we did it 10 years ago it was physical touch and when I just did it it was um, oh shit what was it it was um, positive affirmation so you- oh that's a strong three <laughs> and uh, she's like I guess I don't know then he's like Alex what do you think this is in respect so that's number one then he said, Molly, or Alex, Alex, what do you think is the number one thing? What? Like, Louis Vuitton's, Range Rovers, houses, money, <laughs> and not sex, right? Security. And, and he said, connection. Connection, number one. Number one. And all surveys, all case studies, all tests. Uh, there's love language, and everybody has their own, too. But that's like, Surveys will say that uh, the number one for men is respect. The number one for women is uh, a connection. So when I was around on my calendar, it didn't matter. I wasn't there. So I was failing my wife because I wasn't connected. I wasn't, I was still in my head at Jay-Z. I was still hustling. I was still trying to get to the shore. And I'm like, look, not Molly. You're saying I'm always gone and I'm always working. I'm here. Look, look, I'm here. She's like, you're not here. And so it didn't matter if I was physically there. It matters if I'm emotionally there. Then the uh, and for the respect thing, Molly would cook me dinner, and it's not really what I wanted. She'd be like, you're an asshole. Here's your dinner. I'm like, well, I just knocked it out. <laughs> you know, like I just ruined that nice thought, right? Like so. Then we went into our second lesson, which was assumptions and teaching what they are, the whole psychology behind it. And that's probably one of my favorite business courses to teach is assumptions. Because uh, telling somebody to not assume is like saying, don't breathe. You know, don't judge is like, don't breathe. 
So what you do is you get them to understand what a sumi is, what it means, and what to do. The first thing you do is ask a question to yourself. Is it real? Is it true? So like, Brian doesn't care. Is that real? Does Brian actually not care? You ask that first. And then you go to the person who asked them. You know, so that changed everything. It's Molly's assumption level. Oh, yeah. Assumes the world. Everyone is. It, and she was at a pretty dark place. Assume that everybody's a serial killer. Rather than just. It's an amazing thing what happens when you just ask somebody. Earlier I talked about you know, not being prepared to take risks. Something that holds people back and has held myself back. People are always waiting for the ideal conditions. There are no ideal conditions. It will never be just right. It will never happen. Yep. Yeah. Well, okay, so what, Brian, what does success mean in your version? Mm. Brian Dawson's version. And repeat the question. What does success mean? To be happy. When I, when I was a young kid, um, at 17 years old, I moved out of my house. And I moved in with my grandparents. Didn't know that was happening at the time. My mom came home one night, um, typical for her to do this, came home um, very drunk and, and woke me up at four in the morning. And at that moment, I had enough. And I went to my car. I, I, within about a five-minute period, I threw um, the clothes that I wanted into a trash bag. And I went into the car, and I drove to my grandparents. And I've literally never been back to the house since. Best decision I ever made. So I live with my grandparents and uh, great folks. Um, my pap, as I called him, was a coal miner his whole entire life. And at that, at that period of my life, my pap was the most successful person I ever met and I ever knew. My pap raised seven kids. Uh, he worked in a coal mine, made a very honest uh, 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 median income life. You know, they, they had their house, they had a car, and seemingly everything was good. And I, I, he was my idol at that point in my life. And as much as it pains me to say this, my pap was um, not successful at all. My senior year of high school was his last year in a coal mine. And when you work in a coal mine, you know your schedule for months in advance. You, you work 20 days, you get off 10, whatever your cadence is. And, and he, he took a calendar and he marked every day he had to work until his final day. Now, this man worked hard. But he literally counted down the days till he was done working. He hated his job. Oh man, that's a good one too. I'm sorry it went out. I will. Just finish the story there, because we'll. So he he hated his job, and he literally counted down the days till he was done working, and that resonated with me. When I was in high school, I didn't know that I wanted to go to college. And if it wasn't for being able to have a football scholarship, I wouldn't have went to college because my grades certainly were barely good enough to even get into college. But after I saw him count down the days of, of his coal mining career, I realized that this man that I idolized and thought was incredibly successful, he wasn't successful at all because he lived a life 30 years in the coal mine and hated every day of it. That, that is not success. That's not happiness. So for me, success is find a, find a life, not a career path, a life that makes you happy. A lot of people think success is having a nice car or X amount of money in your bank account. That's not success. 
There are teachers that make $30,000 a year that are incredibly happy and they love what they do. They are ultra successful in my book. It's a whole other conversation of being underpaid, too. Way, way different. Like the yep. uh, educational system and teachers and the how, like, they, they're literally one of the most important roles. Absolutely. And uh, one of the least paid. Yep. You know, but yeah, I love, love that point. Um, the last one will be how we know each other or the uh, mm. story of how we met and know each other. I love this story. I've retold this story a couple times to employees. A little bit different. You know, sometimes I tell it because it's not like something I rehearse. Um, so, I, Alex, I met you when I had just gotten promoted at AT&T to be there a district manager. Back. Back. Perfect. I'll, I'll wait till the give, camera's give up. Him a, give him a clap. Ready to go. How do you know that idiot, Alex, in the attic? I met Alex in 2009. I had just gotten promoted at AT&T to be a district manager, and the company paired me up with the best district manager in the company, who was Alex, <clears throat> to, do, to do a week ride along. I go there. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling uh, I'm a little arrogant. I'm a little cocky. My self-esteem is high, but I also went there to learn. And what I learned was incredibly different than what I expected to learn. He realized after talking to me that first day that I understood or at least had a good foundation of how to lead a sales organization at that level. What he taught me was so much bigger. So we're in a car. We're in the middle of Missouri. We're like Joplin and Festus and places I've never been in my life. So many cornfields and just flat land. And we had a lot of windshield time to talk. And uh, again, this is the best district manager in the company I'm with. And we spent the entire week talking about what does it look like 10 years from now. And I'm with him and I'm expecting his 10 years from now to be saying things like VP, CEO, president. And his 10-year plan was not to be with AT&T. And I almost wondered if he was tricking me. Like, is, is he testing my valor to the company? And he wasn't. Alex told me in 2009 exactly where he's going to be today. Well, he's bigger today than he said then, but in 2009, he told me where he's going to be five years ago. He planned it out. And he gave me all the little tidbits and advice that helped him along the way. One of the biggest pieces of advice he gave me, um, well, he said, hey, read, read the book, Rich Dad Poor Dad. He said, it introduced me to a new way of thinking. I went six years before I actually bought the book. I bought the book off of Alex's recommendation. I read the book in two days on Myrtle Beach when I was at vacation. I told my wife, you have to read this book. She read it in one day because my wife's an overachiever. 30 days later, we're investing in property. That wouldn't have started. That wouldn't have happened if Alex didn't plant that seed six years before. One of the things of many... I'm going to keep going. I appreciate Alex the most is he has an incredible ability to see the future, but not lose sight of what's happening today. And I think there's a very extreme for 98% of the population. They're either only living for today and not looking at the future, or they're only looking at the future and not handling their business today. Alex is, is part of the one, two, three, maybe 5% of the population that is consist constantly growing because you see the future, you know where you want to be, you know where you want to go, you're forward thinking, 
but you also realize I got to handle this today, this week, this month to even get close to sniffing that. And I felt that from you when I first met you 10 years ago. You're talking about your plans and you told me where you're going to be, not what you hope to be, where you're going to be, but you still did your job as a district manager that day, knowing that it was not your life's work. But you did it because you knew it was a means to something bigger. That's amazing, Jack, because to hear that now almost brings tears to my eyes because it's it's uh, so many people in my life is all, all like... I, I now have this level of understanding, and it's like a thank you to every person that doubted me. It's like a massive thank you to all those people that are like, Airbnb, no, that's stupid. Oh, real estate, no, that's stupid. Yeah, I read Red Stanford, and that didn't do anything for me. Like, the book is not going to go and mess for, for you. you. Yep. Like, the book is going to empower you, and are you going to be able to do it? Yep. And it's so now I have this that I, I say it in every event, every training, every person I meet. I will mentor you for life if you go read Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. If you want to understand how I got to where I'm at, go read that. Call me after you're done. One out of a hundred will call me. And those people I still have, they have access to my Calendly and they just book an appointment whenever they want. And I will jump on with college students, college kids, interns, any day, as long as it's on my calendar. I yeah. give them one rule, and it's read the book. And every time I get on a call with you, I'm going to give you something else to do. Yeah. And if you don't do it, yeah. don't call me too. Yeah. Well, I think it's also like a call to action. So I've literally done the same thing. Um, I, I probably have told 50 people to read this book, at least. Only one person has taken action. So for me, it's like, I'm like you, I'll, I'll help anybody. But my time now, more than ever, in the last like year and a half, I, I put a premium on my time. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if, if I'm spending time, not this, this is personal time. But if I'm back in Florida, South Carolina, and you want an hour of my time, that's an hour I'm taking away from something that's making me money. Sorry. I'm happy to help you. Sorry. But, but before I help you, I got to know that you're, you want to actually take action. So I say, hey, read the book. I would say I probably, I said earlier 50, I probably told hundreds of people to read this book. Employees, friends. I have no idea how many have, but very few, probably less than a dozen people that came back to me and thanked me. Not that I wanted to thank you, but said, hey, thank you for offering, you're recommending that book. I read it and it was great. Of all of the about dozen people that said that, only one person has done something with it. I recommended that book to one person back in South Carolina. Um, he owns a cleaning company now. Uh, he got a promotion. In, uh, he, he works for T-Mobile. He got a promotion in his career. He owns a cleaning company. And now he's saving up for his first investment property. But he took action. That's that's what the book's about. Is It inspires you to a message. And if you're really ready, if you really want to do it, you do what he did. You do what you did. You do what I do. But most people, they read the book. and It's, so it's not going to give you self-discipline. But are it's you ready, gonna, though? It's, it's, it's going to say... Let me challenge what the school system has done forever. Yeah. And I'm going to give you a different way of thinking, a yep. different logic. Yep. You're not supposed to work for money. Yep. It's supposed to work for you. Yep. That's why my bank account is very minimal. Yep. And assets are not. Yep. And there are times where, like I never would have actually went to bankruptcy. It just means that to sell something. But it's not easy to sell something. 
very quickly, especially if it's something yeah. that's worth a lot and you yeah. don't want to dump it or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, there were there were moments where um, I did not, I knew that I was going to chug to the shore because I had faith, but there were moments where I thought I was going to drown. And that would have been stopped about a month ago. I, there'll be there'll be another one though. Oh, I mean, you're, you're well, saying, that was that was be the main. That was the finish line in two years that we crossed. I had to get to a certain point, and then uh, we sold Passamon. Now we have a massive refi. And we have all of these things coming that take us to a whole other level. But but leading up to that, that Molly literally left me and uh, one day just all of a sudden I come home and my kids and family is not even home and I'm like where Molly was at what's going on what answer I'm panic I'm a panic that's when I took the EQ test because I wanted to figure out what am I really out of touch like I really need to just re put my negative energy against my wife put it back into something positive and work on myself. And um, I took screenshots. Patrick was, uh, he's a part of documenting my whole story. And I took screenshots of my account uh, right before we went that, that weekend, I think it was 4th of July weekend. So it wasn't that long ago. And uh, Molly packed up and went to her dad's house. My father-in-law literally talk so much shit on me and is such a critical, judgmental person and um, Molly is not at that I told Molly when you really, really reach happiness you're going to know, she's like how will I know I'm like you're going to know when you have freedom, freedom from nobody else to get in your head freedom for you to be able to make choices freedom for not being anxious about what your dad thinks, your mom thinks, what anyone thinks. It goes back to what we said earlier. You really stop caring. Yeah. Not 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 about everyone, but like if, if you take a picture, do you really care? Like if you your eyes slightly to the side, or you're not, you're like fuck it. That's, that, that's organic. I, yeah. And I'm just using that as an example to relate. But you know, for, now I'll continue my example. Like if if you have to approve the picture, you're not happy with yourself. Fuck it. Who gives a fuck if somebody looks at it and it's unflattering and my belly's hanging out a little bit? Like, I'm I know what my body looks like if the wind's blowing and it makes. Fuck that. You know? It's real. And the more realness you put out, the more you will attract. The more thickness you put out, the more you'll deflect. And we have a whole culture now of real fucking people. I'm the luckiest guy in the world because they're all so loyal and real. And everybody will say whatever the fuck they want. Mm-hmm. And nobody is allowed to be fake. Our number one value is integrity. Yep. And number two is like, you have to be yourself. And yep. nobody else. No other version of yourself. I don't know if you'll be able to do anything with this without video. But man, this is something that, that's really important to me. Add more. Two words. Add more to your life. So many people are under-indexing in their life. They think they're at their bandwidth and they're not. You got to add more to your life, and and to expand on that a little bit, and and I put it in practice. My wife and I we put this in practice. Most people would say I can't add more because I'm I'm struggling with what's on my plate. I'm so stressed out as it, as it is. I'm stressed out as it is. 
I've realized that when I add more, another project, something bigger, donating my time, volunteering, whatever it is, I'm actually less stressed because you don't have time to be. I'm actually more stressed when I don't have enough to do. I'm more stressed when something's not commanding and needing my attention. If you're stressed out, it's because you're thinking about something. That thing you're thinking about stressing you out, you want to stop thinking about it, add something bigger to your life. And, and what you're worried about becomes nothing. It becomes insignificant because now you've got bigger problems to worry about. I say problem. It's not a problem because you added it. You added it. Add more to your life, man. People, so many people are under indexing because they think they're not capable of more. And whoever's listening to this, I don't care what position you're at. I don't care how much money you have in your bank account. You can add more to your life. I can add more. Alex can add more. If you're listening to this, I know you can add more. Do it. Stop thinking about it and add more.